Hello, Iconic listeners. This is JM, and I just wanted to let you know that we have a special for our listeners in July. Pelgrane Press has two new books that are available for pre-order, The Book of Ages and Loot Harder. Both are available for pre-order right now on Pelgrane's site. And for the Iconic listeners, Pelgrane has provided a code to get you 10% off both books uh, if you pre-order in the month of July. We will put that code in the show notes for this episode. I've had a chance to look through both books just briefly, and they both look fantastic. You can expect reviews and discussions on both Loot Harder and the Book of Ages later in the year from Iconic, but right now we have this great deal for you. So check the show notes, go over to pelgrainpress.com and check out Loot Harder and the Book of Ages. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Iconic, where we talk about all things 13th age. I'm your host, JM, and with me as always are Nick and Mark. Hey. Hello. Uh, we got a great show for you this week. Uh, we are talking about the new Book of Demons by Pelgrane Press, uh, written by Gareth Ryder Hanrahan and uh, Rob Heinzo. So yeah, we're going to go through it, kind of give you our thoughts, tell you the highlights, why you should go out and get this book, if you should go out and get this book. Um and if you are interested in our take and our thoughts on demons, you can check out the previous episode, which is all about the Diabolist, which touches a little bit on demons. And then in season one, our episode 10 was our other monster look at all things demonic. So I feel like I'm reinforcing all of the 80 stereotypes about, about role playing with this episode. But there we go. <laughs> Welcome to demons. It's all fun and games until someone gets possessed. That's right. So from the player side... We have a brand new class, the Demonologist, which is a new summoning class that we're going to kind of go over. Uh, the GM side is basically the rest of the book. Uh, we have new demons. But don't scare away from getting the book. It's worth getting oh, the man. book just yeah. for the class. The Demonologist class, yeah. So for GMs, we have new demons, new advice on running them, uh, an overview of six different hellholes. Uh, there's more monsters in the hellhole section uh, and gives you advice on... What types of demonic incursions can happen throughout the Dragon Empire? And then it ends with the citadels of the two icons most closely associated with with demons actively, I should say. Uh, the Crusader and the Diabolist. So, with that out of the way, just so you guys know, as always, we do our reviews. We're going to talk a lot about it. So, if you don't want to know the secrets on the GM side... Player side up first, GM side up after that. So, all right. So, Nick, what is the demonologist? Uh, it's another uh, summoning class, and it's there's a couple of spells, uh, spellcaster type abilities as well, but it's largely a summoning class. I mean, the the whole point behind it is you are gathering demons to yourself, binding them, and issuing them forth to do your destructive bidding. <laughs> You're stealing a little bit of uh, the power that the Diabolus claims for herself. Mm -hmm. But that also includes things like curses, that sort of stuff. So it's a little bit like the Druid in um, creating your character and um, going through the different options of whatever this, uh, whatever the class is, what path you want. Um, they lay out three different uh, paths for you to choose, and you become... You become more advanced in each one of those paths the more talents that you invest into those paths. Right, so you can either generalize in all three paths or you can hyper-focus in one of them. Right, and there's pros and cons to going either direction with right. that. Right, so... 
one of the things I like most about it is I feel like the way summoning works, and we'll talk a little bit on that here, is very evocative of the idea, don't summon up anything you can't put down. Because when the more demons you summon, when your demon dies, dies in quotes, there's a chance that it, it actually breaks free before being sent back to the abyss. In which case, if it breaks free, it joins the enemy's side as a bloodied version of itself. So there is a chance that every time you summon something, the group will end up fighting it. And the chance increases the more the demonologist presses his luck or her luck. The more that you have out there, the easier it is for your focus to slip and one of these things to break free. And if you're unconscious, when they hit zero and would flee to the abyss, there's an even greater chance. So you have this gamble every time you use your class powers that, okay, this this is a double strength fight. If I summon enough stuff to deal with this, there's a good chance that it may turn into a triple, a triple strength fight. What about you, Mark? What are, what are your thoughts on the demonologist? Uh, I like it. Um, you know, go along with the, the different paths. Um, they have initiate, devotee, and fanatic is your leveling. So if you take one of each, you're just initiating all of them. But if you go all in on, say, corruption, you're going to be a fanatic of corruption. And it, there's, there's bonuses for that. So there, there's myriad ways that you can run this character if you want. What's your um, favorite? Uh, slaughter. Your, I, would, I would go devotee slaughter and uh, initiate fire or flame. I, I just picture this more of this is the crusader I wanted to play. Just death, death, death. Lots of death. Not the crusader, the, uh, the paladin I wanted to play. Well, there's enough um, variants here too that you could have an entire party of demonologists. And yes, none of them and, and I could see, especially because I could see the slaughter being, yes, I summon demons to fight them. I'm not evil. If you take corruption, it's really going to be hard to explain that. Yeah. Um, I think that just, just the way I look at it. And flames kind of, you could go either way also. So I would go, because, and if, as you read through it, you know, you can go fanatic. Um, there's a little bit of an increase over devotee. So I would go devotee, slaughter, and then uh, initiate flame, get some flame things, spells, and, and abilities that you will read in the book once you buy it. Subliminal message by the books. It's really not book. subliminal. It's not subliminal if you tell them. <laughs> That's right. Uh, what about you, Nick? What are your what are your favorite parts of the demonologist? Slaughter really caught my attention as well. If I was going to be choosing a path, what is the slaughter path? Uh, slaughter is kind of making your character a little bit of a fighter summoner. Um, you have a. a a fair amount of bonuses and some of the, the negative aspects of the summoning class are taken away of if you go the slaughter route. Um, things like um, negative bonuses to attacks or wielding uh, heavy weapons and those sort of thing. So th the thought behind, I think, the slaughter class is really a combination of you are going to be wading into the thick of it with your demon and you are able to put down the demons that you bring forth. Now, you said you also really liked the idea of curses. So how do the curses mechanically work here for us? Uh, curses are a lot like spells in that you cast them as a spell um, using whatever, you know, varying type of uh, type of action, whether it be standard or quick. Um, it fills a spell slot. But the, the difference is that the effect of that spell doesn't go, doesn't actually happen until later on in the battle. 
So each curse comes with some sort of triggering situation, whether it be a natural odd die roll or escalation die hitting a certain number or something along those lines. And then you use one of your interrupt abilities to actually um, make that curse go into effect. And that's when it's dealing the damage and such. So just like when you're summoning the demons, there's a chance that it's going to backfire on you uh, later when it hits zero and it breaks free from your bindings, you're dealing out these curses and there's a chance that nothing's ever going to happen with them because the someone else yeah. effect may not actually occur. Right. The barbarian went and went into a rage and took out the monster before it even had a chance to roll another attack. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I think we failed to mention too is it's a summoning, but you're summoning superior demons, but there's uh, a degradation. They're going to degrade every combat round. Right. Because so. they're, because chaos is incremental to yes. like our reaction. So that's the other thing is, you're like, well, if, if I summon a really good demon, he'll just kick everybody's butt and he won't die. Oh, no, no. He's going to degrade anyway. Yeah, he's going to. He will have a chance turn. to break free. Yeah. Even if in two rounds you kill everything, guess what? Yeah, exactly. And you can't uh, dismiss him in the middle of combat. So if it gets near the end, it's like, well, I'll get rid of it before the end of it. No, there's some, there's some rules to so go not, along with yeah. it. So you're going to get... They really played up that fact. Yeah, that I, I like it. it. It's balanced. You're going to create a superior, you know, summon a superior one, but there's some problems you might mm -hmm. run into, yeah. and it might scorch your party. Yeah, that's, sorry, uh, I ate the cleric. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, that's the little call out box that uh, Rob put in there is that when you summon demons, somebody always gets burned. That's right. Like the rules are designed to not mitigate that fact, which I like. Yep. Well, well good. Oh, uh, just one other thing is on the topic of summoning and different rules and mechanics for it. Um, They've done summoning. Uh, they've done summoning a lot of different ways mm -hmm. and a lot Especially of different times. When you put in thirteenth age Claranta. Right. Yeah. And they, they explain that in there, there. Yeah. There's a call out that's saying, you know, these are the new summoning rules, definitely for this class. Um, these are a couple of variances that we're kind of going to make a canon, and the things, the other classes like uh, the necromancer um, or uh, what's the other class? I think the I'm druid has the druid. Yeah. Um, Classes like the necromancer or the druid or any other summoning class. Um, those that are in thirteen true ways. Still play them that way. Yeah. We've adjusted these rules to accommodate for this new class. Mm -hmm. And just because these are new and different does not mean that it applies across the board. Right. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, it's no. the same way with uh, 13H Glorantha, right? Mm -hmm. The summoning rules in there work differently for very specific reasons. And the Necromancer and the Druid have different yep. right. aspects of it. Yeah. So, chapter two. GM options. There's just like a ton of information packed into this chapter. You got new advice. You've got new monsters. You've got new random abilities. I think my favorite thing that stood out to me here is they have uh, 13 lies. Yes. <laughs> uh, Mark, you want to talk about 13 lies? Well, as we talked about in the last episode, because I know you're listening to these in order. Yes, yes. Uh, devils. I would say don't outright lie because they're lawful, where demons always lie. And they have, um, and a, again, a call out. I like the way you put this book together. It's not just here's some examples of lies. You have examples of lies for every icon. Right. And um, they don't always have to be true to be good adventure no, some might be true. Some might be not not true. My outright lies. Uh, it, it's just there's 
an example for the icon, like here in Archmage, they talk about the prison. Yes, we're in a prison, but so are you. And they're, they're trying to convince you to join them. Mm-hmm. Like Let's get not- free from the prison. And they have one for every icon, taking that icon's aspect of, hey, this is why you need to be my friend right, and not my enemy. I'm not your enemy. That icon is, and this is why. Right. We're not as bad as you think we are. Yeah, no, no, no. That seems to be Just Nick's. L- let me out. Just a yeah. little bit. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, Nick. That's what you said about the Diabolus. <laughs> I don't think I trust Nick. No. <laughs> I was like, hey, the, last, the last part of the Archmage um, in italics. When we take your soul, think of it as going from one cell block to another. Don't worry. You'll be in our gang. We'll protect you, and we're digging an escape tunnel. Yeah. So they're trying to convince you. We're all we're going to break free. You're in a prison just like we are. It would be interesting if one of those lies ended up being true for a campaign. Well, just digging that tunnel, just to play off last episode's Nick's with the uh, the Dwarf King tunnels. Literally. We're digging that tunnel to get yeah. free. So what stood out to you guys about the GM option chapter? I Honestly, I went into it wondering to myself, why would I ever bring demons into my campaign? And I What is let, wrong with you? Well, we did this whole thing on the last season. They're amazing. Well, and I that's what that's the deal is. I, I left this chapter fully convinced, not so much asking myself why would I do this, but why wouldn't I do this? Yeah, it's it's an excellent chapter. I, I think for me, the and I love the little um the little witticisms that are injected here and there. My favorite one was that uh, demons are like tofu. They absorb the flavor of everything around them. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yes. Um, what about you, Mark? Yeah. If you don't use demons as a GM, I would say you're probably working too hard. Because <laughs> an example, and, and explain in the book, why is this army of orcs in the Wildwood? That's not where they are. And players kind of, and I know we're playing a fantasy game, but there's got to be some reason behind why are they here? Mm-hmm. Throw some demons at them. There's no question of why they're here. It's who the heck summoned these guys. So there is no disbelief of, no, why, why are they here? No, it fits. And there's such a wide range of demons, uh, and you'll see when you get the book, from adventure, champion, and epic tier, and they just they fit. You don't have to kind of stretch, well, how can I make this an adventure tier? It's there. There's demons for every level. It's 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 great. They're a great monster to throw in. And they don't even have to be the main focus of your campaign. Mm-mm. If you just like, okay, man, work was really rough this week. I had to put this adventure for this week's game. I'll just throw some demons at them. It doesn't have to have rhyme and reason. It doesn't have anything to do with your campaign. Boom, demons pop in, minor summoner, lost control. You put them down. Hey, it was a great game. Next week, you can get back on your campaign path. So they just fit so well. Well, and going back to our previous episode on the Diabolist, if the Diabolist is also masquerading or a demon is masquerading as one of the icons, you could use the Prince of Shadows rule where one of the icons on the table every time it comes up is actually this, Hmm. is actually demons. So nobody's really using the Hydruid. Cool. I won't tell them that, but every time the Hydruid comes up, yeah, that's when demons show up. Well, wait a second. What's going on? Mm-hmm. They make great complications yep. to fives. If you're lacking for some way of leveraging that five and bringing it a story aspect into mm-hmm. it, um, there's a way for you to be able to work a demon into that. And they don't always have to be like super powerful. No. Like the minor imps provide a lot of story hooks. Just oh yeah, why is there's this nothing. around? Why is this message? Be- Who sent this message? And, and the players don't mind once in a while having that easy fight where they just smash everything. You go, whew, we are pretty bad. Yeah, and yeah, it was a bunch of mooks that got loose, and that's fine. That week's yeah. game was great. Next week it'll get tougher because we're gonna get back on path or go after the true demon that got away while you were dealing with all the mooks. Right. 
Expend so, those resources. Expend those resources. <laughs> that's right. And uh, yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. Anytime the anytime the big bad evil guy is a spellcaster, it's very easy to just be like, yeah. well, he makes a deal right there on the spot, and now he has some demonic bodyguards. Mm-hmm. It fits. So we can't have a book about demons in 13th age without talking about hell holes. They give you six examples for how the abyss would taint a region or how the demons would interact with the region. What did you guys like about these these locations? Well, two things, generally speaking, that stood out to me was, one, they gave kind of an overview of the ecology of hell holes. So in addition to the six examples, they said, this is typically what happens when a hell hole erupts. So I, I, to me, that is enough of a foundation that you can build what your own off of, wherever it is that you want off of, and then mm-hmm. flavor it uh, accordingly. Um, the other thing is that for each one of these six locations, they gave their own little uh, smaller random uh, demon table. Which is inspiring. Like, it would be very easy to just take that idea and run with it and right. make your own random tables mm-hmm. for, I don't know, a living dungeon populated with demons. Because <laughs> like. it's easy to think that demons are demons are demons are demons. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about fighting them over here in the Wildwood or over here um, in the Hellmarsh. They, they're the same, right? Well, no. Each each incursion has their own little flavor to them. I would not want to fight demons in the Hellmarsh. <laughs> Yeah, that, seem, that just seems like a bad idea. Sounds like an epic tier. You know, demonic leeches. Um, one of the hell holes um, was called the High Heath of Unending Woe. The one thing that I liked about it was the random encounter table and how they kind of um, explained a little bit about each one of these different encounters that you can take place while dealing with this particular location. And I saw that and thought that would be a great table to roll on outside of that area that you could take each one of these and plant this one little aspect anywhere else in the dragon empire or in your world and as a way to kind of introduce demons and demonic activity and what players should expect as kind of a foreshadowing uh, mechanism i like the uh the floating market which is this trade town in the hell marsh um, especially like mark when you were talking about the the paladin who just I'm gonna smite everything that that even looks remotely evil. Well, in the in the floating market, you get this, you draw this knuckle bone, mm. and if you if you attack somebody who's or threaten somebody who's got a black knuckle bone, they can go right to the diabolist and demand uh, she intervene. And so I think that's just a beautiful start of an adventure like okay you guys have to go trade for something and and, and first of all it's a, it's currency it's, down there it's a demonic well, if you pick on the guys got three black knuckle bones yeah it's a, <laughs> i mean it's a demonic trade town that's just fantastic on top of that makes me think of planescape yeah i mean it, exactly it makes me think of sigil it makes me think of of the abyss i love that aspect i want to run a 13 another 13th age planescape game like that was a lot of fun but like just this idea just really grabbed me now mm-hmm. mark you said you liked the same i, I one. liked uh yeah the uh high heath of unending world one the name just caught me right and i like the idea that it's not okay, here's this hill or this town or something to get swallowed by the hellhole. The border's kind of in flux. It used to be okay to walk down this road to the next town, and now it's not because you've crossed into it. And I like the whole reality bending of, you know, as we're going down this road, Nick crosses in. We can see each other, but he can spend his lifetime walking back towards me, and he'll never escape. Mm -hmm. It's just that whole weird 
things are different. It's not, oh, yeah, here's town. I can leave. Fine. You know, and then and they give ideas of, yeah, people kind of, okay, we can't deal with the hellhole, so we'll just move away for a few a few miles. Eh, they can't get out really. We'll just stay away from it. Well, this place, the border moves. Right. You might have been safe, but now your farm is now part of it, and you're trapped in there. I really, I like that kind of grabbed me. Until you just say, okay, I'm just go to the center, and then, oh, you're at the center. You know, <laughs> I liked it. Very cool. Well, the book ends with two just high-level overviews of First Triumph for the Crusader and the Citadel <laughs> of the Diabolist. What are your guys' thoughts on these last just couple of pages as the seat of an icon. I really liked the the write up and the the section on the citadel of the Crusader. Um, I thought it was um, well done in in the way of that's iconic for Thirteenth Age is everything's kind of built in this general structure and kind of put a couple of these pieces in here and then um, you have the option to flesh the rest of it out on your own. They uh, included thirteen rumors. For each mm-hmm. one of them, which I always I love rumors because it, it's just really good uh, inspiration. The one that uh, really caught my eye was that the Crusader is actually the Great Gold Worm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. First Triumph, the fortress within a fortress within a fortress. When the world goes to hell, we'll still be here, and we will survive. Yeah. And everyone's trained to fight. Turtles all the way down. Yeah. So, of course, if you go deep enough, what do you find? Yeah. I kind of like my time travel thing where you keep going, going, and all of a sudden, this kind of looks like the 10th age. <laughs> We're no longer here. So I'd play in that game. I'll be honest. Um, when I I didn't I wasn't really a huge fan of the Diabolist section of the Citadel. Why is that? Um, it didn't for me. I liked how the Crusader was laid out and it built structure for what to expect if you were to go to the Citadel. And for the Diabolist section, it was mostly just rumors and hearsay. And I know that there's a lot of question, a lot of mystery about the Hellmarsh and where she's established and whatnot. But um, to me, I was I left that section just a little bit unsatisfied um, because I was hoping to get a little bit more actual framework uh, to work within and i didn't quite get that i think they kind of take it more like i think of it where it could be anything yeah. there is no like first triumph you can go there you can visit it you can see the enslaved demons doing all the menial work we don't really have a good storyline on what exactly is there um that's why it's just rumors and they right. they vary wildly of and who do you, you know, who do you believe this guy that's in rags begging for coin just out of his mind? He's like, yes, I've been there. Maybe you have just because the guy's insane. So, yeah, like, I think they just leave it wide open up to you that there is no set. This is what it needs to be. I mean, they kind of make that caveat for anything. If this is our world, you can change right. it. It doesn't have to be. Here's our take on it as a foundation. Yeah, I mean, I guess it could have a little more structure, but I think it is kind of leave it open to it's anything. And that's if she's there. Right. That's just a rumor. She's there. Maybe she bounces around. Maybe, Maybe she lives down below and doesn't really live here with us and reaches through. No, I think that's a, a fair assessment of what's going on at the end. But so much of 13th Age is, at least the setting wise, is half or underbaked. Right. You know, specifically. But mm-hmm. so we kind of talked about our favorite parts. We kind of talked about the good and the bad. What would a player want from this book? Definitely the demonologist class. Yeah, I mean that's I agree. That's I'm worth, my head that's up and worth, down. That's worth the cover price. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. I, I would say if a player is going to pick this up and read it, uh, talk to your GM 
because he or she may have um, stuff planned that's based on what's in later in the book. And um, if you struggle keeping that player knowledge separate from character knowledge, um, it's you're going to encounter spoilers. So uh, definitely get it for the demonologist section, but talk to your GM before reading the rest of it. What about uh, for GMs, Mark? Uh, demons. Demons, demons. Just lots of demons. <laughs> lots of demons. And I was just going to do a quick scroll through, uh, just in case people are like, yeah, they're just trying to sell the book. The demonologist, because of the three paths and the different initiate, devotee, and fanatic levels, goes on, and then the demonologist multi-class for 30 pages, roughly. Yeah. So you're getting a lot. It's not just a two-page table. Here's your AC, PD, MD. Yeah. It, it's a lot of stuff for a character. And that's out of 104 pages. Yes. So, yeah. so a, third of the a, book. a third of the book is just as class. Stop if you're not going to run it. Don't surprise yourself with some things. Yeah. You'll thank yourself later for not. Um, and if you run it and and playing it, then, yeah, you have the conundrum of, okay, I'll try to ignore or mm-hmm. do some things. But it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a good book. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I feel like... Well, we covered how much I love demons in episode 10 of season one, but uh, the blood war, demons and devils. And now I want a book of devils and I want a devil, <laughs> devilologist. I don't actually think that's a thing. Devilologist. Yeah, we, we need a, we need a uh, Robin Gareth. If you're listening, we need a, just a little page XX update so that if you want to summon devils as opposed to demons, you can go with that. I think it's, who would you have as a devil icon? I would make my own. Yeah. I mean, just yeah, spitballing. Oh, I like spitballing knee jerk reaction. I would say the, uh, the archmage is probably the most one likely one in my campaign. I had, if he's not already, if he's not already, so you can get this book right now through Pelgrane press. I think it's only available for purchase as part of the physical product, but it should be out in friendly local game stores as well. You can get it. If you get it through there, have your, Local game store, sign up to Bits and Mortar, and you'll get the PDF. It's $22 for the book. It's a great deal for the physical copy. I can only assume that once they release the PDF, that it's going to be priced competitively. If if, if it's released by then, we'll just put it in the show notes. So let's do our dragon review. What do you guys give give this book? I mean, honestly, other than my my little comment about uh, the Diabolist's Citadel, I have no complaints at all with the book. So, and even that wasn't a strong enough, I'd, I'd give it five. Five claws. Five claws. Five claws. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the, they did a great job with this book. And I know some of the complaints I've seen online between 13th Age Clarantha and other 13th Age things is that it takes a while for product to, new product to actually hit the market, but it's always worth it. Like they're not rushing anything. While the setting may be half-baked, the books are not. Right. Like the books are No, yeah, are well and, and half-baked is not that they didn't finish it. They just leave it open for your interpretation. Yeah, they don't really try to put too much into... Hey, this is a story that you need to follow because they know people in their homebrew are going to change it slightly mm-hmm. anyway. So they just put more effort into making a really good product with stuff that you can use. And again, if you're running a game, you're going to use all of this. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to play the demonologist. So you're a, saying I need to start another 13th page. Or game. I might just have to join your once a month local game store yeah. game just to, just to play yeah. as. Or once we get Slaughterhouse Five. All right. Well, thank you to Pelgrane Press for being a sponsor of the show, as well as Petri's Family Games. And check out our Amazon referral links and our Patreon if, if you find yourself wanting to support the show a little more. 
Well, you've been listening to the Iconic Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can contact us at iconicpodcast at gmail.com or call and leave a voicemail at 720-924-1706. And be sure to check out iconicpodcast.com for news, updates, and new episodes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>